Hello, today is an episode of the Money Fit MD Show. Today, my mom, Dr. Latifat, will be teaching women physicians how to use money for good. My mom knows that it's a great opportunity to use money for good, and she wants to share it with others. And now, presenting our host, Money Fit MD. AKA my mom. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode with your host, Money Feed MD. How are you guys doing today? All right, y'all. So I believe that that intro is the first time that I'm using it for any of my recordings. What do you guys think about it? Was she fantastic or what? So for those that don't know, that's my daughter. She is fabulous, of course. And I am so excited that she's going to be joining me in doing little things in my business. She's eight years old. And the reason why I am super excited about it is because I want to encourage her to grow. I want to encourage her to love her own voice. But also, I want to make sure that as I am talking and teaching folks about building wealth, building generational wealth, it's not just about us passing out a bunch of money to our children. It's also about teaching them how to do it. And that includes how to build their business sense, how to be better entrepreneurs and doing things that we may not have traditionally thought of as part of raising kids. But honestly, if I'm teaching other people how to do this, I can teach my kids too. And also she gets to earn from what she's doing in my business. And that is how we're gonna teach her how to invest and how to make sure that she knows how to make money work for her, even at an early age. Listen, y'all, you know, my podcast is about teaching all of you guys how to create your own rich life. And it's not only for us, it's for us, it's for our children, for those that have kids, it's for our children's children and the future generation. So that's what we're about here. And I'm really, really excited that she's here. So if you have loved the intro, send me a message so I can share it with her. It's moneyfitmd at gmail.com. All right. So now on to today's episode, which I'm super duper excited to be talking to you guys about. And honestly, having my daughter record the audio, the intro music is actually really befitting to what we're talking about today. And what that is, is we're going to be addressing the idea of physicians in low pain specialties and how to build wealth, even if they're paying, getting paid low. Listen, I am pro physicians making more money. I am pro our pediatricians, our family medicine doctors, our paid subspecialists, our endocrinologists, and I'm sure I'm missing many fields that get paid less than some other more procedural fields. However, what I've found is that when we have women going into specialties in medicine, there seems to be a trend that that specialty is going to be the next in line to have a decreased pay. So that goes back to the whole idea that we talk about, about gender inequality in medicine. And in fact, there was a recent article on, I think it was Medscape, that published a bunch of um, tables and data that they gathered about where people are getting paid, who is getting paid what, and guys, it is profound. The gender inequity still exists. The racial inequality still exists. And my hope as your host, as a money coach, is to help us bridge that gap so that regardless of what specialty you're in, you can build wealth. So that's what we're going to be sharing about today. Before I dig further, though, I'm going to share some examples of some clients that I've had in the past that are what you would consider historically, 
low pain fields and they have been able to pivot and build their wealth and i'm sharing them with you not because i'm like well well you should know that you should stop whining no it's because i think it's great for us to learn examples of what's possible so that even if they're a minority right now we can make them the majority so the first one i'm going to share with you is a family medicine doc who is amazing of course all my people are amazing all my clients are amazing so if you're listening and you're not my client yet you are amazing, but we need to get you in this party so you can up your amazingness. <laughs> but anyway, so this doctor, the family medicine doc, and when we talk about the reasons why she was historically underpaid, what we were able to find was that she was underbilling. So I love my primary care docs. I love my pediatricians. You guys have some of the best hearts. I, can, I will stand by that anytime, any day of the week. I will stand by that fact. However, what I find is you're so sweet, you're so kind, that you are making sure you don't cheat anybody, you don't take money that you think doesn't belong to you, but while you're doing that, you are actually cheating yourself and underbilling and underpaying yourself. So that's one of the lowest hanging fruits that we have been able to find is that when we actually bill appropriately, not overbill, but when we bill based on what we are actually providing service for, you can increase the amount of money you make because of primary care docs, listen, Someone comes into your office, they like come in with one, 10 problems. You solve 10 problems and you build for one of the problems. That should not be happening. So that's one of the most common causes, which is underpaying yourself because you're underbilling. You're not paying for the things you're spending your time and your talents and your physician MD, DO, MBBS degree doing. So number one is just looking for the lowest hanging fruits, period. And the reason why I share that is this particular physician that I'm mentioning, when she actually built appropriately, she was earning more from her family medicine practice in a major city in the U.S. than I was making as a GI doc. Not because she was suddenly cheating or anything, but because she decided that she needed to stop cheating herself. And she needed to stop robbing herself because she was doing the work. And if she's doing the work, she should be paid for it, right? So that's definitely one that I wanted to share with you. So if you're listening to this, underbilling is one big problem that I want you to stop doing, okay? The other person I'm going to share with you is also, she's a pediatrician, picks up specialties. She is, of course, again, amazing because we are amazing people, right? And what we found was that she was salaried. So for her, what she was earning was fixed and was not going to be increasing. But there was a big assumption that I found that she was making, which is extremely common among us physicians. And is this assumption that what we are being paid by our clinical job is a reflection of what we can be paid or earning, period. I'm going to rephrase that. What I mean by that is this. If you are a physician, regardless of what specialty you're in, what you are getting paid clinically is not and should not be all what you have the ability to earn. So I want to suggest this for you guys, because ultimately our physicianship, I'm going to call it physicianship or physicianness, like royal highness, it's just a fragment of who we are. Listen, I love clinical medicine. I love my patients. I love what I do. And I probably will do it for a very, very, very long time. However, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice when we're thinking 
that our clinical skills are the only ways that we can earn our income. If you are a physician, what that tells me is that you can focus on one thing and become a master at it. What it tells me is that you have the ability to focus and learn whatever you choose to learn. What that tells me is that you have the capacity to actually sit down in one spot and learn more than most people are able or willing to give their time or efforts towards. And what that means is that you know how to figure stuff out. You know how to figure crap out, right? Because ultimately someone comes in with you to the clinic and they're like, oh, my stomach hurts or my chest hurts or my pinky hurts. And in that visit, you're able to come up with like 10 things that it could be. You're able to come up with like the imaging tests that can be done. Literally, there's nothing that walks in through the door that you cannot handle. And if you cannot handle it, you know exactly what to refer them to that can handle it. And what that means is that you are the madam, the master, the mistress, of figuring things out. So the same tools that we have used to master this clinical stuff that we do, how about we just imagine and think about the fact that we can take that and sprinkle that into all the things that we do. It literally is as easy as that. And this is so important because a lot of times I see us physicians, we're like, well, you know, we're great at this stuff only, but no, I cannot do other things. I, I, clinical medicine is my thing, but everything else, no, no, that's for someone else, right? And I am the boss at that, by the way, because I historically have talked about the fact that I am a one-trick pony. I know how to do one thing, which is clinical medicine, and that is it. But what I found was that was actually a limiting belief that I had. And as I've opened my mind up and forced myself to the creativity and the abundance of the fact that if I can learn this thing, I can learn anything that I choose to learn. And the reason why I have become a good physician, a good clinician, is because I've taken the time, the effort to build into it. I believe the fact that compounding works, which means that if I spend time learning, that knowledge accumulates and compounds and grows, right, exponentially over time. And I can go from being a first-year medical student to being a first-year resident to being a first-year fellow to being a first-year attending and then now becoming more of an attendee attending, if you know what that means, right? So I want us to stop thinking that the fact that we are physicians means that we cannot do other things. I would challenge that and say that the fact that you are a physician means you are exactly the person that can do anything that you want to do. I mean, that doesn't mean you want to do everything, but it means that if you choose to do anything, you can do it, including make money, including diversify your source of income. So if you've been watching my episode so far, if you've been listening to other people, if you've been seeing the data and you're like, well, you know, I'm a primary care doc, that's impossible for me. Or you're like, I'm a you know, I'm a pediatrician, that's impossible for me. I want you to challenge that thought right now. And just ask yourself, first of all, where in my life am I cheating myself when it comes to stuff that I'm already giving value, things I'm already teaching, things I'm already doing, care that I'm already providing, but I'm undercharging, underbilling for? Because one thing is for sure, we are badass. We don't cheat people. We have integrity. But what that means is that we don't cheat ourselves either. So if you've been cheating yourself, I'm calling you out on this episode today with love, of course, and saying, I want you to challenge yourself. 
And just ask yourself, why am I avoiding, underbilling, and undercharging for the things that I'm already providing excellent value at? Is it going to feel uncomfortable? Yes, of course it will. And the reason why it feels uncomfortable is because we have been programmed, we've been taught to think that giving is the only thing we do, that we don't matter to some extent, that you want to do good, but we forget that we are also part of that equation. And when we're saying we want to do good, that should also do, that should also include doing good to ourselves, for ourselves as well. So again, that number one challenge is where am I already giving value, but I'm undercharging, I'm underbilling. That's the lowest hanging fruit. And then number two is this. I want you to ask yourself, what percentage, what do I want to earn, period? Forget about your clinical income for a second. What do I even want? And then ask yourself, what percentage of that do you want to be from your clinical income? And what percentage do you want to be from other things? I don't expect you to figure out what those other things are right now by just listening to this episode only. However, imagine if at the end of this podcast, you're like, okay, I earn this amount as a pediatrician, but I want to double that. And I want to say that only 50% of that will be from my physician income. So now the question is, where is the rest of the 50% going to come from? I want you to look at the examples that I've given you this morning about the women physicians that are in primary care that impede subspecialty, that are cleaning, they're killing it by diversifying their source of income, by investing in real estate, by investing in the stock market, by opening taxable accounts, by investing in things that they're already doing. And honestly, that Pete's doc that I told you about, she's cutting down on hours because she's like, full-time is just unhealthy for me. Because we know that full-time in medicine is like 200% somewhere else. So she's cutting down so that she can provide value even more so to her patients and also providing value for herself as well, for her family as well, so that she doesn't burn out. And I want you to think of these examples as examples of what's possible. Because imagine when our primary care doctors are killing it. Imagine when our primary care doctors have providing care, not because they have to, but because they want to. Imagine when our primary care doctors have diversified sources of income because now they can earn whatever the heck they want to earn without thinking that clinical medicine is the only way they can do it. I feel so passionate about this because if we are going to create the change that we want to see in the world, it has to start with the foundation of our healthcare system, which is our primary care doctors. In fact, last year in 2020, I actually did a training program that was only for primary care doctors and pediatricians only, because I truly believe in you guys. And I know that if we can change how we think, yes, it's not going to solve all the problems that exist in, in medicine today. However, if we can start by helping you change the way you earn money, the way you think about money, I think we're going to make a lot of progress. We're going to have less burnout in medicine. We're going to have physicians that are more confident in what they choose to spend their time in. And that is how we're going to change the future of medicine. So I hope you have loved this episode. I hope you can share it with the primary care doctors, the pediatricians in your life, the endocrinologists in your life, anybody that you know that's like, um, I want to earn more money, or I hate the fact that I'm not earning more than I think I can earn. I want you to share it with them because that is how we're going to 
in the world of medicine. That is how we're going to impact our own lives. That's how we're going to impact our communities. And I want you to just imagine if five years from now, two years from now, three years from now, we have this change that's already happening and you can be a part of that change. How will medicine change? How will your life change? How will your community change? That's what we're talking about on this podcast today. So I want to say thank you again for joining me and listening to this episode that I've shared with you guys today, because I truly believe that if we can do one small thing at a time, if we can make one small change at a time, that is how we're going to change the future. And it starts with you and I. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. Remember to share this episode. Remember to share a review because I love to see those five-star ratings that you guys love to share with me. And again, Thank you for being a part of my world. Have a fantastic rest of the week. Bye.